0: Bangerang radio, bangarang radio, bangarang radio dot com I'm going out, I gotta go.
1: I'll bang a rang on the radio. So turn
2: Into pop punk pizza with Jacques Lamour.
1: Greetings and salutations, my friend. So I've had this song stuck in my head all day long today, and it's not a new song or anything, but I, from time to time it just it just bounces around in my head, and I can't get it out. And that's Jet Lag by Simple Plan featuring Natasha Bedingfield. And I'm such a, a dork and such a nerd when it comes to songs like this. When I get a song like this stuck in my head, I always want to look up more about the song and how it came to be. And I did not realize that Jet Lag was co-written with Core de Pirate, who is a Canadian, a female Canadian artist. And I kind of want to check her out now. She's uh, better known as Beatrice Martin. And I'm guessing since I love Jet Lag so much, I might really like her stuff because. Jet Lag is just... I can't get it out. I've listened to it probably 20 times in the last hour, and I I still just can't get it out of my head. And I also can't believe that Jet Lag is almost 10 years old. It was released in 2011 from the uh, Get Your Heart On record. Speaking of Simple Plan, though, I'm pretty sure they're on the brink of releasing a new record. I haven't uh, officially seen anything from them yet, but I remember there was... I don't know if it was earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, they posted a picture of them in the the studio saying they were working on new music or something like that. And I'm super stoked for that, because their last record was phenomenal. At least I thought so. I thought it was their best record yet, but that's just my personal opinion. Well, hello. Welcome to Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. I am Jacques Lamore. Um, Besides that randomness about Simple Plan and jet lag, there are two things I want to get to before we get to today's episode. So one, if you want to see our independent venues continue to thrive and get through this pandemic together, you and I need to get together and we need to support NEVA, which is the National Independent Venue Association, and you can go to Save saveourstages.com, and there you're going to find ways that you can help independent venues in your area, your neck of the woods, whether it's Chicago, New York, LA, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, there's thousands of independent venues or hundreds of independent venues part of this organization. And uh, what's cool about the website is that you can go go to this uh, website, saveourstages.com, and you can... Actually type in the area that you're in to find those independent music, venu- independent music venues that you can donate money towards. And I know another thing uh, on Save Our Stages website, they're talking about how we can contact our U.S. Uh, representatives in Congress and try to get them to get some relief for our music venues. So, saveourstages.com, please do that. And then, second, Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast is going to be hitting its 100th episode here in just about uh, three or four weeks. And I want to celebrate with all of you because hitting 100 episodes on a podcast is a really, really big deal. Originally, I was thinking about doing like a virtual pizza party. And then I thought, well, why don't I get a, a bigger guest on the show, because it's been a while since we've done that. And then I thought, okay, let's, let's do something a little more simple. Let's try to get as many listeners on the podcast as possible sharing their favorite memories of the podcast or what their favorite episodes were and also try to get previous guests on the podcast just saying, hey, hello, what's up? So with that being said, if you're a hardcore listener of the podcast or you're a previous guest listening to this episode, I need you to leave a voicemail. With your comments and questions for me, or your favorite memory or episode of the podcast, or whatever it is you want to say about the podcast, by leaving a voicemail on our studio line, which is 312 529 0335. Again, Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast phone number, studio line 312 529 three three five leave me a voicemail there and on the 100th episode that will be coming out here in the next three weeks i will share your uh, voicemail on the show or if you prefer to just like record a voice memo on your phone and email it to me that would be cool too so you can do that and email it to bangarangradio at gmail.com so those are two different ways that you can participate in the 100th episode of Pop Punk and Pizza. I I just can't believe that I've made it this far. It took much longer than it should have, but I'm just so thankful that you and I made it there. So thank you for all the love and support and helping the podcast reach 100 episodes. And I also think I'm going to actually invite a few listeners of the podcast onto that episode and they can, you know, kind of interview me and ask me those grilling questions. I just thought that would be fun. So details to uh, unfold on that. You can always uh, keep up to date on that and, and so many other things that are happening with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pop Punk Pizza Pod. So thank you for listening to my rambling there for about five minutes or so, or however long it was. Let's get to today's episode. I was honored to have talked to Frankie Tucalis and also Jevin Kay. Well, Je- I should say who they are first um, or what they do in the band. But Frankie is the bassist and then Jevin is the drummer. So the rhythm section of Much the Same out of Chicago. Now you may have heard of Much the Same. They've been around since the late 90s, early 2000s and they're a staple in Chicago although I did not honestly realize that until this last summer when I saw them at 350, but um, we were able to set up a a Zoom meeting with Frankie and with Jevin, and we talked about all kinds of different things. So I was grateful to uh, have their time, and this was a a fun little uh, conversation we had. So here we go, Frankie and Jevin from Much the Same. Let's uh, welcome bassist Frankie. Is it Tacallis? Chukalis. It's, Chukalis. It
2: makes like, it makes no sense, but my old man said it's Chukalis, so I that's what I roll with. Like chew okay. your food.
1: D- gotcha. So, that, make, that makes that Greek, makes sense. Yeah. You
2: know, right. I,
1: it's 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 Greek, right?
2: Extremely. <laughs> Very hard, so.
1: And then Jevin K. Right. Yes, sir. I've never met anyone named Jevin, so this is cool. Um, oh, thanks, man. And I'm sure a lot there's of people. There's a few are, of
0: us out there. There's a few of us. There are I, dozens
1: of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> see, see, Frank, Frankie has the the funny last name. You've got the the different first name, you know. And then there's Chris and there's Dan and you know those are just kind of like regular names, you know.
0: Yeah. So you that's guys. That's why we're on this podcast. I was right
1: going to say you guys are the cool ones, and and then you yes. know, and then I'm I've here got. To represent-
2: I'm here to represent the minority faction of Greek punk rockers. There's not many of us, so I'm here to raise awareness about uh, we do exist. We're real.
1: Well, now is the time.
2: Now is the time.
1: <laughs> now is the time. So I can't, now that you bring that up, I don't, I don't know any, I can't like specifically think of a punk rocker that is like off the bat, you know, oh, they're, they're totally, they've got a, a grease you know, background. Steve
2: Papoutsis, who played bass in No Use for a Name.
1: Okay, see, he
2: knows. Well, that's- I know that because when I saw Greek no, like you used to read the liner notes as a kid, right? When right. You know, yeah. Like, when yeah. People bought CDs, and those were a thing. Yeah. So I remember, like, you know, I read every band member, every band that the band thanked, and I remember, like, I think it's in Yate Con Carne where, like, it's like Steve Papoutsis. He's one of us. <laughs> and, he's and he's like me and wow oh, what a man.
1: great that's so, well yeah, That uh,
2: you see that OU and that S in a name you just it, it, immediately it's all opa and olives and whatever else
1: you know you could be like the what do they call those not core, sort of like correspondence, the like experts they have on different shows. So when someone. Oh, yes, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be
2: I'll be a, a conduit between humanity and the Greek punk rock community. I have no doing that. I'm,
1: I'm <laughs> counting on you now to get this started, started in Chicago, man, and then just let it let it grow out yeah. everywhere. Um,
2: Devin, how I make my what? first million.
1: Let,
0: let's bring in our Greek punk expert, Frank <laughs> Choukalis. That's
1: that's what it is. That, I was expert was the word I was looking for. There um, you go. What, what is your
0: opinion on archipelagos?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I obviously find them hysterical. was uh, by my response. Obviously. But anyway, yeah. Um, funny last names. Chris McGrath in our band will cl- claim he's Greek. Don't let him. Don't
1: let him. <laughs> he <laughs> you know, like yeah. Greek.
2: Like your last name's fucking McGrath, and I love Chris, but yeah, you ain't Greek, son.
1: Yeah, so, I I think anyone that I've met that's Greek, you can usually tell. You know. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, but not always. Yeah. So
2: justications are key to. Uh, identifying greek people so i could go on forever right we could go on this could be the whole podcast
1: (laughs) hey (laughs) i i don't know a lot about about the greek culture other than you know the amazing greek restaurants that are you know everywhere and no
0: absolutely
2: i grew up in like greek diners i i currently am a restaurant uh person i've been in it for years and like i always joke that I went and got my bachelor's degree and like still my genealogy kept me working in restaurants. Like that's just what I was destined to do and born to do. But, uh, yeah. And somewhere in between there, uh, you know, found punk music though, which is good because Greek, growing up Greek and punk is actually a very weird dichotomy though. It's a super religious traditional culture. And my dad's from the motherland and, uh, is a priest's son, so it's like, when he found out he had an atheist, democratic, kid, it's just like, he failed, it's over. Uh, but
1: there, There's something about coming from backgrounds where it's very traditional and very strict, and the kids, you know, end up being, like, I come from, I was raised Catholic, and I'm I'm not practicing, and I wouldn't say, like, you know, I have crazy-ass beliefs, but I'm, like, I don't know how much I believe in the whole thing. Yeah, so. no,
2: it, it all smells funny. Jevin, you want to
0: chime in here? Teeth their own, man, you know.
1: So, I, I don't even know if I mentioned that you guys are in much the same. I would hope whoever's listening <laughs> to this by now... Yeah, whoever's listening by now, hopefully they know that you guys are in the Chicago band much the same. And um, I'm not sure if this is a bad thing to admit. I'm hoping it's not. And I hope you'll forgive me for saying this. But I did not know much the same existed until uh, August of this last year for 350 Fest in Tinley Park. I, I didn't know, like, actually, okay, maybe a little further than that. Maybe it was when you released your latest record, um, Everything is Fine, um, because I started seeing my my friends on Facebook talk about the record. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this record is so good. I'm so glad that, you know, um, that they're back. And I'm like, who who's back? <laughs> like,
0: I, I don't even well, know who this is. Don't so, feel too bad, because... I think you're with the majority of the world by saying that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, come on, give like, yourself some credit. If you didn't grow up in Brazil,
2: there's yeah. a good chance. You wouldn't you know. know.
1: I mean, I, I, I'm not from Chicago. You know, I live an hour south of Chicago, so I'm not like a Chicago win. But still, like, I'm nearby. I've, I've been involved in the scene for a while, and I've never heard much the same get brought up. So, um, when I just dis- discovered you guys at 350, I was like, wow, it's like, these guys are kick ass. Like I, I like this actually, Frankie, I was on your side of the stage when you guys played that day. Now that I think That's- about it. And, um, that
2: was- Oh, sorry. I keep talking over you. I, I tend to do good. that. I apologize. No, keep going. Keep going.
1: Um, I
0: don't even remember what I was going to I don't think whatever I was <laughs> going to say was in-
2: compliments. You were, you were oh, telling yeah. us how great we were and we I- were yeah, no- and how
0: you were surprised you hadn't heard us until late last year and I think that's a common theme from the time that we broke up to now it's it's been really cool seeing our fan base growing after you know 2007 that's why we you know wow. did that reunion show back in 2011 it's part of the reason why we got back together because people still wanted to hear our music and so that's been what's really cool about this band is that it's just, been growing even when we were completely inactive,
1: and I mean, just from the things I've read, and I, and obviously I'm going to learn a lot with you two today about the band since I'm I'm new to much the same. Um, there were 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 there a lot of, I mean, there probably still are differences to this day between all of you, but is that what kind of led to the the original Split or hiatus, but just differences between everyone not being able to keep, you know, keep going. Because that's I, that From what I gather Robert, that's kind of what's that? What's that?
2: Oh, I was saying like in my opinion, and I don't know how Jevin feels about it. I mean, it was it was a culmination of factors.
0: Culmination. So yeah, there were
2: differences. There, culmination. There were definitely a lot of different factors. Um, you know, band had dissidents at times. All bands do. Every yes. single band, like, eventually, I think, hits that wall where, um, you know, you're going to fight. Things are going to happen. You spend a lot of time in a very small space together, uh, driving around hours upon hours, and you're... So, yeah, that, it's going to be tense, like living with somebody after a while, right? So that, that came into play, but there was also... It's funny to say at 38, we were, like, getting on the wrong side of our 20s, too, and I think trying to figure some of that stuff out like people getting engaged or married and can we sustain our lives on this because it was kind of I think we were always like we're going to try to do this full time or we're not there wasn't really like an in-between to it so Mm
0: -hmm.
2: that that
0: and I'll add to that at the time that we broke up in 2007 we were coming off the heels of like a major van accident in uh, I think it was in January of that year and, you know, we were, we were trying to make like a 16-hour drive from Bozeman, Montana to Seattle. Ooh. And the show in Seattle was going to pay us like a 100 bucks. We, you know, we were lucky that we came out of that crash pretty much unscathed except for our gear. But then right when we finished out that tour, we had to buy a new van, buy a new trailer, borrowed gear along the way. Right when we finished that tour, we w- went to Europe. We had no break in between. And so I think we were we had so much anxiety from that crash and we were so negative about kind of our place in the scene at that time. Cause in 2007, there were no punk bands like us. I mean, we were playing really crappy shows for the most part we weren't, we weren't getting on any tours. So you had know, the van accident, I think it just kind of fast forwarded us to realizing, okay, maybe this isn't going to work. We're not going to focus on different things. And for me, I moved back to california i mean something that i always wanted to do so if i wasn't going to be doing the band full-time in chicago then i'm going to be moving back and that's exactly what i did instead of maybe level setting going back home and us talking about it talking about doing the band part-time that wasn't even an option for me because i just want to get out of chicago
1: (laughs) i mean california is pretty awesome so yes and, show and it's it, where so I'm, from. You're I'm from chicago you're originally from california
0: originally so i kind okay. of moved back home and and restarted my life without music but it was it was a really difficult time and i think the relationships fell apart because of all that anxiety because of all those pressures and we were so negative about everything so at least i was <laughs> yeah no i'm
2: right there with you and things weren't that bad like in retrospect like we were doing like no. fun things and i mean yeah you know it's easy to like look back and be like, that, wasn't, that was something that was pretty awesome that we looked at yeah. very negatively when we should not have.
0: Yeah, our attitudes were terrible.
2: Oh, yeah, we were, we were very pessimistic. Yes. I haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
0: still, I'm still the same. <laughs> Everyone I'm else
1: has concerned. changed. They just put up with me. <laughs> I'm
2: still externally a pessimist, um, oh. but I'm, I'm a little more fun maybe. I don't know.
1: Well, if you, if you think about it, I've heard a lot of different people – in the music industry, talk about the late 2000s and actually how hard it was to try to make a go of it in in that that time. Even if you were an established artist, um, yeah. just because of of everything that was going on with trying to make money from your music. Yeah. So, you and know. it was
2: a big transitional phase too, because like. You know, when I hear a band now say that, like, say there's a local band that says they want to go on tour. Um, I, I don't want to be shitty about it, but I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, it, unless you fun. know you have a following in a town, like it's admirable to hit the road and pursue your dreams and work really hard. And I'm not shitting on that. But like, you could really like, you, you don't need to road dog it anymore. Like you, you yep. can use YouTube and everything else. And like, I think when we were touring full time too, that was like, shifting and you were seeing like just starting to see bands get like big just from the internet and you're you're bitter because like you're out there you
1: know
0: yeah yeah Um, yeah it's work smarter not harder and we were just we're on the road we're on the road because that's what everyone was telling us that's what we need to do our labels were saying get on the road get out there because those bands that's what they did to become successful but you're absolutely right frank that was right when that shifted you don't have to do that it was fun It still is fun if you want to be a band and tour, but man, looking back, like why did we do all those terrible tours (laughs) like with us headlining and no one showing up? Like it was fun, but
2: in Washington, Ohio.
0: Yeah. But when you're looking at it from a business standpoint, the band is a business. Those are terrible business decisions that we were making because we're losing money off those tours Yeah, (laughs) and driving ourselves insane.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can relate to that. The the tiny bit of touring that I did, I, that's actually how I look back on it. And like Frankie said, you know, you haven't even conquered, like, the area that surrounds you. Yeah. Why? And all, also with all the tools available online, it, it just only makes sense. Well, um, but the reason I was asking about the breakup um, was... Because I was just wondering for you guys, how, how did you get over that and decide to come back and I mean, 2006 being your last full-length release, and then you know, finally releasing a, a new full-length album in 2019, I mean, that's you know, it's, a, just a, it's a huge gap and, and how did you get over all the negativity? And obviously you can only speak for yourselves here, but
0: for me. I mean, I, I lived in California, so I, I, w- I accepted the fact that the band was pretty much done. And then when we, got, when we did the reunion show, we ended up selling out Reggie's. That was, I mean, all the negative feelings were gone after that. That was such an amazing show, such an amazing send off, And it made us want to do more together. And I think a couple of years after that show, myself, Frank, and Dan started writing again. Just getting together through, it wasn't Zoom at the time, but it was, I think we were doing what, FaceTime? email, yeah, I think. Gchat video or something like that. And then I ended up um, becoming too busy, um, got a new job, my wife got pregnant. So then I kind of stepped back and just things kind of snowballed from there. And then I ended up coming back into the fold when I was ready.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, congratulations, we by the way. Like, I know, know it's I know it's late, but you know, or it's <laughs> many years ago, but still, yes. congratulations.
0: Thanks. Yeah. I got two now.
1: Wow, good for you, man. Thanks, man. Um, Frankie, sorry. What were we gonna say? Oh
2: no, 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 no. You guys are yeah, talking. Great. Go ahead. Go ahead, Frank. And Birth and fatherhood. I have dogs. That's what I have. It counts. Um, dude, I love my dogs. Uh, anyway, but uh. Let's quit. Um, yeah as far as like getting back together like one thing i can say too is like i i tried to do other projects after much same broke up like nothing that i knew i didn't think we were gonna like tour do anything wild but um nothing was like ever no matter how much we ever didn't get along or no matter how somebody felt about somebody else i don't write better with anyone else. And I write with these guys. I love, I have another band and I'm not going to try to do a seamless plug on like, rebuild, but I have another band. And I love that band. And I love playing with those guys. I know though, that like at writing fast punk rock music with these guys, like though, like it's very, um, I don't want to say seamless because actually the way we write is actually awful. But, um, which is I how that, now
1: that you bring that up, why is it so awful?
2: We, okay. There's four of us that all write songs that think we're all right all the time.
0: Oh, that is bad.
2: Uh, And, and
0: our singer is a perfectionist and he will gladly admit that.
2: Yeah. But like, we're like, we're like a band that's gone through like couples counseling at this point where we all know like how the other person is uh, as far as like how they're going to write, how they're going to probably react. And like, we're a democracy at the end of the day. Like somebody brings in a song, it can get completely ripped apart. But if, three members outnumber one member like it, even if it, you wrote that song it's the way it's gonna fucking be like we so like we very much collectively write and it's a blessing and a curse because like there's certain bands where you hear where like there's one to two people that just like run the show and everybody follows suit and you know these bands like tend to like pump out records frequently even if we didn't have a breakup i i still think it would take a long time because of the way we write if we had like one person really just like driving it home like, I think it's easier to, I, I can't say for certain, but it seems like it would be easier. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, if it's the right person, I, I get what you're yeah. saying. Yeah.
2: Like, I've always heard, like, Trevor from Wilhelm Scream is, like, riding, you know, he's steering that ship, and he's got, like, support. But, but at the end of the day, it's, it's Trevor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. With us, like, it's literally everybody. Even if somebody wrote an entire record, Dan wrote everything is fine. Like, bar none, he's got the majority – of everything going on there but we all chime in like insanely it's it's never just like hey here's my song it's like all right let's let's destroy your ego yeah
0: i didn't Uh, like that verse why don't we try this instead i hear this and then there goes the the song that you had
2: yeah but i think we end up like decent like i like you know i'm i like our songs i'm a um, I think it's important to be a fan of your band. I'm a fan of our band. Like, I can listen to our music and like, oh, this is fun. Um, and, and I think that's important, like, to be like, you can throw your record on and be like, you know what, man, I'm really proud of that. And and I think we get to that point, even though it, it, it may be like chaotic and what whatever it is. But like, again, I, I, I make it akin to like old married couples at this point. I was a nightmare through writing. Everything is fine, if I'm being honest. Like I was a, I was a very negative, extremely confrontational person through that entire process. But I mean, we did get the record done.
1: And that was with Nick Deener, right? You recorded with Nick.
2: Yes. You and... recorded with Scott from Tempo Pole.
0: Yes, I recorded in L.A. with uh, Scott at Ryan Green's studio, which was awesome.
1: Wow. That sounds pretty fancy.
0: It was it was a very nice uh, setup. And, Scott did a great job.
1: And so bringing bringing those guys into did they have anything to do with the writing process? Did they help with producing? Um, what was their take on on your you know the way you put it is not functioning well songwriting. But to me, it sounds great. Like, you wouldn't know, because, like, I think the record sounds fantastic. To me, it's to me, it's your best record so far. No,
2: I I agree. No, I've always said, like, I, I think Everything is Fine is our best record. Like, in my opinion, I think it's, like, the most much the samey, much the same record. Like, we, we're the band we're supposed to sound like, if that makes sense. Like, this is what we've been working at. Um, and I think you can hear that from, like, the Quitters Never Win record. There's, like, always – I think there was, like, snippets from Quitters Never Win, which – the vinyl came out, blah, blah, blah. We'll, yeah, sure we'll, we'll talk we'll,
1: about that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, Quitters Never Win to Survive. Like, you hear these, like, songs and parts that, like, I think what everything is fine sounds like. And I, I love that record. I am super, super proud that we wrote that record, even though, like, it was difficult. We were, like, literally just sent. How many times would you say we were in a room writing that album? Like, all of us like Zero. i mean it, or maybe over, once but over years we were in rack. we once were or in twice a r- like, yeah yeah everything was sent electronically like technology is awesome right now for that like the yeah. the way we were able to pull it off like you can fortunately be in a band and like have busy lives and you know before it seemed like they they were mutually exclusive and now it's like yeah no you can do it it's just you work at your own pace we can send each other parts and that's what we did. And uh, Chris got really good at like demoing and production and stuff. And like, I was just recording my bass parts on a voice memo and he would drop them into the demos that Jevin was sending. And we, it was just all pieced together like a jigsaw or whatever. And that's how we got our demos and got the record done. And with recording with Nick. So yeah, you recorded with Scott, that shit got sent to Nick. And then Dan and Chris, like this was also the first time we weren't in the studio together at all. Uh, Cause Dan and Chris went and recorded together out in Tennessee, Michigan, which is like four hours from where we are respectively in Illinois. Um, which is also where lights over Bridgeport did their shit, which sounds great. Um, Nick's Nick's awesome. And we, they went out there, they recorded their guitars, did the vocals. And then I went out there by myself. And like, I remember like, I didn't, I, I, I recorded my parts that I still like, didn't know what the record was going to totally sound like. Cause I didn't, get to hear it with all the vocals. We were just trying to like move and, and, and get it done. And then I got the recordings back from Nick and couldn't have been happier. Uh, it was awesome. And Nick's, Nick's a good friend too. Like it's, it's, that's another good thing about doing the band again is like we get, we do get to see people we, I thought we would never see again, like friends in, in Europe. And um, you know, that gives me, I mean, Nick lives four hours away in the middle of nowhere in Michigan. You know, it's and and again, he's a father, so everybody's busy. So playing and much the same gives me a reason. You know what I mean? It's like shit. I got to see Nick Diener through this. That's great. That's I think almost the best part of like doing all this again. Actually, not that that was the question, but that's the Nick, no, 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 yeah, <laughs> just
1: just reconnecting with with people that you haven't seen in years and didn't think you'd probably see again. <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying.
2: Yeah, I, um, but yeah, Nick is a great producer, in my opinion. Like, if you want to go make a record, go work with him. And as far as, oh, I think that your initial question was how much did he put in? The only yes. Thing I'll see, yeah, the, the only input Nick did for me was I tended to try to do, like, a constant bass solo over this record. And, like, Nick, like, pulled me back. He was just like, I ah, don't got to do that there. He's like, you could just play the E&A strings and, like, that'll be that'll be sufficient. Or, hey, maybe cut that in half tried a different note. Like he, he let me build off initial ideas and, but I've always been a person like when I'm working with a producer, I'm pretty chill. Like I'm going to trust them to do their job and, and help make a good record. Um, so Nick, that's all Nick really different, but I don't think he did any writing. Yeah.
0: I mean, he added some things here and there. Um, I know he added some vocals, um, but he he did a lot of pre-production too, giving us suggestions based off right. those demos that we sent him. So he was very helpful, and he knows he knows our band. I mean, we've known him for I mean, since 2004, I think. So he you know he knows what what we were going for, and he he has a great ear for what sounds good.
1: Yeah, he and, pulled he pulled it off well.
0: And I think that was another good reason to record with
2: him. Like we've we've played shows with his band, like we we've stayed in his home like he he under he still understands like you know skate punk and what it is and uh because everything is fine also has like a more poppier tinge to it and like maybe like the slower songs too and like the swellers eventually ended up doing that stuff like he he gets us so i think it was like a great choice i i loved working with nick i, I recorded burn rebuild with nick like i really enjoy working with
1: yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about Nick and his his production. Just sounds fantastic. So, um, I'm really really happy for him that he's he's found that, and he seems to
0: be doing well with that. So, is his studio called Wonder Studios yeah. or is it Oneter? I, I or I Onetter? I you guys keep talking.
1: I can't you're right it is one of the two I'm not sure how it's pronounced I've seen it spelt but yeah I don't know if it's Oneeder or Onetter or Wonder but I'm yeah
0: he never clarified for me
1: I'm surprised of course you probably (laughs) weren't you weren't in um, as direct contact with him as since you were recording in California
0: no he only sent me a few texts and uh, another person that was a major part of that record was Mark Mahalik he Scott recorded the drums, but Mark went through and actually edited, make making sure that they sounded good. And Mark recorded our first demos that got assigned to to uh, Nitro. He recorded the first Survive demos. So to have him involved too, um, it was just really special all around.
1: It kind of it kind of felt like home, because sure. of yeah. of you know having the because Survive obviously did well and um a lot of people know you guys for that record. So, I'm sure it was was like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, having someone from the old days. I, I guess kind of like Nick, sense except in a different sense. Obviously, you played shows with Nick. You didn't record with Nick though. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And exactly. that that definitely makes for a, a comfortable creative environment. Um so let yeah, let's talk about Quitters Never Win. Um, let's go back to the year 2003 when it originally debuted and now for the first time it's getting a vinyl release. Uh, the pre-order is available now, right?
2: Uh, yes. Um,
1: because I know the, I saw the official release date wasn't until the 3rd or was that just one of the that, specific uh, countries? Uh, electronic release. The electronic release is July 3rd. I've okay. the
2: electronic release is July 3rd, vinyls, pre-orders are already Moving through the three record labels, which are Lockjaw Records out of Europe, Thousand Island out of Canada, and then P Records is involved too, right in Australia. Um, so, talking, I only really have uh, personal communication with Rob from Lockjaw, um, and and he says the vinyls are moving and it's great and people are stoked, um, which is really cool. You know, I, I we don't play many songs off that record anymore when we play live and like to see people like we're really excited to buy it like i was like oh this is awesome this is great you know and hopefully you know maybe when like we play now too like we'll like consider like those songs like more into the set since it's like a remaster and a a release and um but yeah uh the the electronic one is going to be july 3rd Uh yeah pre-orders for uh just the vinyl are, are are moving right now. I don't know when those ship, these are really good Chris quest-
0: uh, questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what the
1: I just, is. <laughs> I, I saw, I saw a date of July 3rd and I, I thought maybe that's when the vinyl was for sale, but um, I, I knew there were pre-orders happening right now, but I wasn't sure. Like I figured the July 3rd date was the original, but all, all things aside, you can actually technically buy the vinyl right now. Yes. Um, in
2: one capacity or another.
1: Right. Um so what are uh some of the the first things that come to mind when you think of quitters never win when you when you go back to to that moment of whether it was in the studio or it was writing or it was playing shows i mean that that's obviously it was the begin you know not the very very beginning but you know close to the beginning not not much uh you know further along than that what what what's what are some of the first things that comes to, comes to mind when people bring up that that album
0: so i wasn't in the band for quitters never Win, but it was the record that got me into much i was a fan of much the same uh, uh, when i was uh playing in a band in st louis at the time uh, my band had the privilege of playing with much the same so i mean that record spoke to me i thought it was an awesome record and um uh, Yeah, Frank, you did a great job on that record. Thanks, man.
2: (laughs) Um, So it's my turn? Okay. Um, Early years type nostalgia. Like, I remember when I got to join Much the Same, it was called Don't Look Down. And I I was delivering pizzas at this place uh, called Baroni's in Crestwood, Illinois. And I had heard, you know, through numerous musicians that this band, Don't Look Down, was needed a bass player and a guitarist and so like i got to join And i remember chris came and he dropped off like the ep that they had just recorded that had um i uh a couple songs that are on quitters never win and like i remember like hearing those songs i was like fuck i can maybe be in this band like this is gonna be really cool like liar uh was was on there and like that song everybody i think through the years is kind of like really dug and i i mean it's what kind of got me into the band right so i i just see like the whole like picture of that time like we were i was i was 19 going you know through that all to like 21 and like signing to af records i thought like you know you're gonna be on top of the world i mean anti-flag likes your band like you're gonna you're you're gonna be on the label you're gonna record like chris number two's gonna have a hand in producing a record you're recording with the guy from fucking 88 fingers louis like holy shit dan thank you very much by the way um that's another thing i'll think about is like damn precision like I'd only done demoing recording at that time, like where it's like, ah, it's good enough. Like, fuck it. Like, let's move along. And that was the first time it was like, nope, do it again. Nope, do it again. Nope, do it again. Nope, that that was really bad. You can do better than that. And like Dan just pounding it in me and like me coming out better at my instrument because of him. And um, like all that stuff at that time seemed like such a big deal. And it still is. Um, and it was the start of like, what got us to like i've gotten to see the world because of punk rock that record's the start i got to see america you know because of that record that was the the catalyst for it all chris wrote that I elmy mean, did a great job like and and let us write parts to his songs like i didn't we didn't have like with survive dan and i and jevin all participated in the writing process everything is fine is like dan with us all chiming in quitters never win is chris's record so, if that's your favorite record, you thank Chris because he, that's that's his album. Um,
1: so, is the next record yours then? Or is it Jevons? I,
2: guess it's, I, I tell you, Jevin's <laughs> like, like his whole album, you know? But Jevin and I have joked that we have a lot of leftover demos, actually, like all seriousness, that I think we have like the most unused material from Everything is Fine that we could probably try to build off of. Yeah, um, but yeah it seems like it seems like we take turns like actually yeah that's it, that and that's part of the fun and like we said difficulty too of being in this band it, it's awesome to know that like everybody's got an ear for writing um and can kind of like put it on the production so but yeah quitters never win is like that that album also like that it made me a better musician like in general between dan Also, there was this guy, Adam, that was in the band before me that kind of, like, set a a precedence for, like, how I was supposed to play in this band. Like, because he, like, was a riffer. And he was, like, my local competition. And I love Adam, and he's great. Like, I'm actually better because of Adam, because, like, I tried to keep up with that guy. And um, and he did a great job in those first recordings. Like, he's the bass player on liar on the first EP. And I just modeled his bass line and, like, was like, all right, this is what I got to do to be in this band is play like that. So yeah, just, cruiser wins just, like, some touring to being a better musician, yada, 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 like, can I sum that up with yada, yada, yada?
1: Yeah, yeah, you can, actually. Is that a Greek you thing? just did. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I was gonna say, you just did, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, Jevin, when did you join the band, then? How, how does that story come into play?
0: I joined the band in May of 2004. I think it was little over a year after that record had been released. And uh, at the time, I uh, I was in a band called Forum Follows Failure in St. Louis, Missouri. And like I mentioned before, uh, we had played with Much the Same a, a couple of times previously. And then a couple months before I joined the band, they were on tour with Break the Silence. Much the Same was on tour with Break the Silence and Wilhelm Scream. And uh, they... I think you guys crashed at my guitarist's house, and then realized that you needed a show in between an Oklahoma date and our show. Got, show. Your show is got that, canceled. Is that when
2: we played at the Mexican restaurant.
0: Yeah. Yeah, our so, show got
2: canceled, and you guys, whoever it was, miraculously pulled together. Sorry, did to like cut out. Sorry, our show got canceled. and They pulled together this show like in a day. That was like packed out in this Mexican restaurant. It was absolutely fantastic. Sorry, continue, but like, yeah, good job. Like, but, your, that was so great.
0: But I think that was the first time we actually like hung out with you guys. And when Mook quit, um, you were still in contact with friends in St. Louis who told you that my band had broke up. And Frank yeah. actually was the one who told Chris, like, Jevin's band broke up. Call him because uh, Mook the the original drummer had just, I guess, was he starting a clothing company, Is that why he quit the band?
2: I mean, he was, again, like, everybody's growing up. Like, Mook had a very long-term girlfriend who he's still married to to this day. Like, with two kids living in the suburbs, like the rest of us. And we love Mook. Like, we have a great relation, relationship with Mook still. Like, just to be yeah. clear about that, I don't know that I need to clear anything up for the fourth <laughs> year. But, like... Just so you know, Mook and I are good. <laughs> but either way um...
1: <laughs> oh but yeah. man
2: but yeah no I think Moop was just like over it like you know that was I think that's the best way to put it like he was just like yeah I got a girlfriend I got other prospects like I'm gonna go do that and that was it
0: yeah so, the, so well, the... I, got the, I got the call and then I, I auditioned and I I nailed the audition and the, the only producer.
1: drummer we got out. To... Yeah, because Mook was probably just you play drums, right? Yeah, I play drums. You know, I'm sh- right? right. Probably that's kind of how it went with Mook. I'm sure. Of course, was he? He was probably in the band before you were, right, Frankie? Mook. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. There was like there was this guy. Uh, the original lineup was like the most like recorded like whatever was Chris Mook um andy and adam and then it became chris mook myself and this guy matt we all just like swapped partners Mm -hmm. quitting and joining each other's bands it was like a gross thing Um, anyway (laughs) but then um and then matt quit and then i remember dan joined and the funny thing I always say about this is like, Dan and I hated each other when he joined the band. Like Whoa. he tried to get, yeah, we fucking couldn't stand each other. And like, he tried to get me kicked out and uh, to get Adam back in. And Damn. then like Dan and I, like, as we like kept touring, like developed our gross, re- you know, hetero life mate relationship that we have uh, today. Um, and he's one of the, <laughs> I, I, it, I write songs like so fluidly with that dude. And like, just, I don't know. Like he's, we get along like immensely and then that yeah. And then move quit. And then Jevin, and that's kind of the, that was the final.
1: Okay. I mean, you know, it's kind that's of cool. It's version. What's that? That's the short version. Yeah, um, I know. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of cool that, you know, I mean, Frankie, you're the bass player. So, you know, you're like part of the rhythm section and you're the one that m- recruited Jevin. So, you know, rhythm sections looking out for each other. So it only makes right. sense that you're together on this podcast right now. Yeah. well, so. just, the most important just, part of the band.
0: Know, What's that? that? We're the most important part of the band. I mean, let's be honest. That's
1: right. And so we were talking about this before the the podcast today, Frankie. Why do bass players get a bad rap? Why is that? Cause who the fuck cares about us?
2: We play, we play, we play four goddamn strings, and most people can't even hear it unless it's like some prominent shit. Like before I started playing bass, all right. Let me tell this: no little boy, like little boys, want to, you know, grow up to be astronauts and firemen. Or guitarist. Or guitarist, right? And I ended up like working in a fucking bar, right? Which is fine. It's fine. But Like when we, when we think about being musicians growing up, like how we didn't imagine that we would work, end up working in a bar. We didn't imagine that we'd end up bass players. We thought we'd be guitarists and singers and like forefront, you know, people. But like then we adopt these roles where we're just happy to be on stage just yeah. to play our little instruments. But I, I wanted truthfully, like I actually I really wanted to be a lead singer and I was terrible at it. And this was in high school. And I was like completely tone deaf. And then my buddy of mine was like, why don't you, you should play an instrument and it'll like help your ear.
1: Um, and
2: did it sing- work? <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, like, uh <laughs> fucking, <laughs> I'm distracted. There's dogs outside my window and I'm thinking about how cute they are. Um, anyway. Um,
1: apparently dog- it didn't. Apparently it didn't work no <laughs>
2: <Pretty> <laughs> like, I was like well I, I can learn guitar that's really fucking hard no I'll be lazy I'll, I'll like play bass but I, I came to like the instrument
1: you've got some good Go. bass lines though
2: no thank you I, I really came to really like the instrument and, like when I started playing bass is when I actually started like audibly hearing it on records like I never really heard it before like I said unless it was Primus or obviously Rancid where it's like way in the forefront of the mixes and like a in- integral part of the band, but like I remember, oh, yeah, I remember like the first times, like being like, "Oh, that little cookie noise in the background? Oh, that's the bass. That worthless thing I didn't hear before? <laughs> that could be you." <laughs> <laughs> so. Inspiration. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, I, I think the, with with the um, the remastered and or the remixed and remastered version of of uh, Quitters Never Win, I noticed the bass. I feel like is more out in the you know in the open maybe than it was before it sounds great uh it sounds extra punchy and you know i i heard a little clip of it with uh wish you know um so and and i thought i thought it sounded good and it sounds like a just it sounds brand new even though it's from 2003 so
2: absolutely and that's like the beauty of like doing the remastering and, and and things like you know there's technology that's just not available back then and the bottom line is you can make things sound bigger and brighter, and and that's the number one thing I'll just take from it is, yeah, I can hear my instrument a little bit more through the mix, like harmonies sound a little bigger,
0: like.
1: And Jevin's drums just sound amazing. Yeah, I'll just point I that out it. there.
0: Yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> that's gonna <laughs> <Jevin. laughs> say
1: So, to, but I do want to include Jevin though. So how did how did you start? playing drums how did that come into play Where have you always been a drummer did you play something Um, else before
0: i tried i tried playing guitar in fourth grade i think my uh my parents rented me an electric guitar and i started taking lessons and i i I didn't pick it up fast i was not patient enough to actually learn it um and then a few years later i think when i was 15 or something a, a good friend of mine had a drum set and I just sat down and I, I could play a beat on it. I was like, okay, this is this is something that's that has come natural to me. And I told my parents like I want a drum set and they're like, yeah, yeah, I like your guitar, right? I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this one. I promise. So they rented me another drum set. They realized that I was really passionate about it, and uh, I just I just it was it was weird. I picked it up really naturally. It, I I learned by ear. I don't know what it was about drums, but just fits my personality. I'm, you know, an introvert by nature and I like sitting way in the back doing my thing. So like
2: I don't know, like we always mention that like he's a lefty drummer who plays righty.
1: Oh, cool.
2: Okay. Which as a bass player is like a lot of fun to play with. Like he does like the coolest thing about watching you play and I've told you this is like where a lot of drummers are going to bring their right hand around to start rolling, Jevin drops his left. So like everything is like a really quick punch. Like you got, like, it's a lot of fun to play off of as a bass player. Like I'm being like absolutely serious. Like playing with him, is fun, like in a rhythm section, but you found drums more naturally playing righty than you did playing guitar.
0: Oh, I, I learned guitar right-handed too. That's oh. great. So like, wow. it's just, it's just how, I don't know why, man.
1: Maybe there wasn't no left handed guitar available. I I mean they make yeah. them, obviously, but I think
0: I think the guy at the guitar store is like, It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just, I just it. We need it's to go fine. back
1: we need to go back and find this guy and smack him in the <laughs> head like it doesn't matter. What the fuck? It doesn't matter. What the hell's wrong with you? But
0: Come it's on weird, though. I can I can play guitar fine right handed. I don't need to play Left-handed, but I'll do everything else in my life left-handed except for guitar and and uh, drums. So when okay. you play hockey,
2: you play left-handed.
0: Yeah. Are you a hockey player? I
1: am. Okay. So, just like on a, a recreational level, or uh, yeah. oh yeah, like okay. Beer league. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. I mean, no what, pro. What? <laughs> what position you play?
0: I play wing or center.
1: Okay. All right. Hockey is tough, man. Do you I, play? Uh, No, (laughs) I, uh, I, I've, you know, obviously watched many games and yeah, that's some, I I played soccer, so.
2: I played soccer.
1: Okay. There you go. I feel like that's a punk rock thing is either soccer or hockey are usually, are usually the ones. I don't know why that is, but. Yeah. Usually, or both sometimes, you know, you, you find people do both or one or the other, but, you know, but, uh but that's cool. I, uh, I, I had no, I, I mean, I've only s- seen much the same just the one time. So I, I didn't get a chance to pick up on, on your playing with, uh, you know, the, the whole left hand, right thing. I, I might not have even noticed the, yeah. the difference without, you know, even saying anything. Cause you've been playing that way for how long now. And I never would have noticed, never yeah. would have noticed that
0: it's a subtle weird thing. It's just I'll end all my fills with my left hand and you'll, you're probably thinking like, huh, that's, that's weird, but not pick up why I'm doing that. You know? Yeah. 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 Maybe you're probably just saying, Oh, he's trying to be different. Like, yeah. Whatever. Good for right. you, buddy. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I think re- great. I mean, I thought
1: <laughs> you were too, the one time I saw you guys. So, you know, I, uh, I was like, it's man,
2: that's great. Like in the, That whole that was a great night. Like what was awesome about that is like we had just come off of tour and we were like, if anything, that was we don't get to play together a lot. So like every time like we play, I think like that first show we're like, Well, let's see how this fucking goes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hope this is gonna be decent. But like Like our first European
0: show where like we were actually the first time we played all those songs from Everything Is Fine together. That was a nightmare that didn't yeah we have not
2: well. played the song together and it's like god he's going so fast like you and i'm like i can't play that i can't play that you got to slow down
1: yeah um,
2: sorry. But, uh, no 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 but like yeah we were like i think like there's that like term like tour tour seasoned or whatever like we had mm-hmm. come over like like i i had so much fun playing that show i was and and, and if i may like i was like the perfect amount of fucked up playing that show by the way like I, I was just feeling great it was hometown like and and every like you said like you're an out, hour outside chicago like i'm yeah. not from chicago like you say you're from chicago because that's easy oh yeah you know i say i'm from i live in oak forest illinois and everybody's like where i'm like chicago like just, let's put a period you know we yeah. don't need no here
0: mm. um, it's like when people ask me where do you live i'm like fontana and like where's that la
1: so so what what direction is is uh fontana
0: uh it's east of la like 60 miles or so i think
1: okay i've only spent time well i guess i spent a tiny bit of time in la but mainly in like the san diego area is where i've been to in california i've got family out there and um last time i was out there i spent most of my time in carlsbad which was pretty cool oh yeah yeah, nice. Love that uh, town. Yeah, really nice town. My brother lived out there for a short amount of time, and I uh, definitely miss that oceanside breeze. You know. So yes. Me
0: too.
1: Can't. Uh, yeah, because if you're on the east, you don't. Uh, you don't get yeah, much I'm of inland, that. I'm inland,
0: man. I'm right yeah. in the foothills.
1: So you get baked. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I my uh, my aunt lives in Murrieta, and that's you know right in a valley. And mm-hmm. you know she's too far from the ocean where yeah it's just fucking hot. <laughs> yep. But I will but still. But pre- all
2: dry heat.
1: <laughs> it is, which I still prefer over F- Florida because that's just. Florida's way- my night
2: uh. on many levels.
1: It's just so <laughs> Don't humid. Well get me started. <laughs> Yeah, there's something. Fucking
2: Mickey Mouse isn't there makes it cool. Like it's still a shit. <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> well, at least they've got Hogwarts now. That. You know. There you go. Yeah, but uh, I said I said at least they have Hogwarts. You know, they got Harry Potter at Universal and all that. You know, and of course Star Wars. Disney has Star Wars. But yeah, you're right. Florida's still just. It's just like what what is up with Florida, um. We're, Literally that's
2: the last place I want
1: to go. Yeah, I agree. I've been there enough. I've I've, I've seen I've seen enough. You know. Um, but we should probably wrap this up. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for being on. Um, and Thanks
0: for talking to us, man.
1: No, thank you. I, I really appreciate your time. I hope this was fun. Um, I I enjoyed learning about you guys, and because that's kind of like what this is all about, you know, especially when there's, this, there's been this Chicago band around for, you know, since the 2000s, I had no idea about, um, even though there was obviously periods of being on hiatus, but I'm, I'm glad you guys are back and you're giving a crack at it. And hopefully once COVID dies down, you can get back to playing shows. Cause I know you guys had some, some more, Far away shows planned that weren't Chicago because I think one I saw was you were playing a festival in Canada, I think with MXPX. Wasn't yeah, that? Was,
0: um, I don't well, know if they, they were on it, but it was uh, less than Jake. Maybe it was yeah, less Comfort than Jake. Jake. No, no I, fun at all. We were gonna do like a club show with no fun at all in Montreal. I was really looking forward to that. But I th-
1: for some reason, I knew it was you know one of one of those bands from the '90s, and I guess I just that was the first one that popped in my head. But but yeah, it looked like you guys had some some really great shows coming up, and and, and it's um, a bummer. Yeah. Hopefully,
2: like we, you know, get a vaccine sooner than later and. You right. Know, stand each other without being afraid. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other days. Like ba- basement shows are gonna become like the new like underground crazy fucking thing. And and we were, were coming back. Like, after, and we were like, if there's ten people or less, it you know it'll be legal. And I was like, dude, ten people <laughs> coming go for me. That's gonna be awesome. Like that's that's what i play shows show. less than ten people. So yeah, if we, if we can have it. get ten people at shows, I'll play to ten people. I played the less.
0: I played to the other yeah. bands i was gonna say
1: yeah right yeah 10 people's pretty good man not gonna lie right,
0: guys i gotta go
1: yes all right good talking
0: thank- to you guys thank you right. jevin See ya. take care bye
1: what are some of your favorite pop punk bands
2: pop punk Ooh, dude i love pop punk by the way I uh, you're in
1: the there. right, you're in the right place.
2: <laughs> Here's the thing though. Like, no, I think like there's this thing, like, can I, can I rant about pop punk for a minute?
1: Uh, sure. All you want that, like I said, you're in Sorry, the right so place. Like,
2: you, know, you know, all these like little sub genres of punk you have, you know, yeah. Pop punk, skate punk, a lot of hardcore, post hardcore, whatever the fuck you want to call this shit. And, like much the same falls in like skate punk. Right. And I think like skate punk, not always, but like has this like, Bullshit attitude, attitude towards punker, uh, pop punk. Sorry, that it took me a minute to spit out like that. Like, oh, we can't be like happy and write songs about girls that have like rad breakdowns and shit like that. And like, I, I fucking love pop punk. Like, at the end of the day, like, I, I, I see myself gravitating towards more of that writing, more of that listening than I do like heavier music and listening to shit just because it's fast. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but. How many bands is it like, sorry, you wanted me to name bands or what yeah. was the full, what, what, the
1: what are some of your, some of your favorite pop punk bands so, that so that are that you're influenced by?
2: The true like pop punk bands. I think like they're like classified, like there's no other genre that really out newfound glory, obviously. Like there's no way, like, I'm going to not say, I don't like newfound glory, especially, um, the self titled record. I mean, I like the first album, but like when I heard that self titled record, that blew me away. The production was like way higher. Like it, it was like the base of what I expected from Newfound Glory. I actually really like the album too, Not Without a Fight, which I think flies under the radar, maybe. I thought Not Without a Fight was great. Uh, I really like Newfound Glory. I like, I'm a Blink182 fan, more the Tom DeLong shit. Um, which is
1: pretty much everybody for the most part. <laughs> yeah. I, I think. I, I,
2: and what I think like about Blink too is like with those like latter records too, I feel like Blink grew up with me. Like I was all about the fart and poo poo pee pee in high school, but as I got older to the self-titled record, like songs were getting, you know, more serious. And like I actually love Neighborhoods. I think that's a good record. I don't think it gets enough attention. I love Blink 182. Who else in pop punk do I really, really, really? Love? Oh, I love MXPX. I know you like MXPX. I'm a
1: huge MXPX fan. So
2: I ripped my entire live show presence off of my Carrera, like (laughs) especially like as a bass player. Like, but I remember seeing MXPX play live, like at the Metro when they were getting like really big, like solely going the way the Buffalo and uh, before and everything after records, and they were like starting to headline more like clubs. Yeah, they. I remember watching just Mike Herrera playing, like, and the way the way he jumped on stage and the way he moved, I was like, "That's what you have to do. Like, you have to bring that energy to playing that fast." There's, um, shit. Who else?
1: Yeah. When I, because I, I first started out playing bass before I played guitar, and I definitely, definitely emulated Mike Herrera when I, yeah. know, when I played bass. I like, I was playing with a pick you know, and, and all that. And I, I kept my bass low and I, I remember really wanted, wanting, wanting a Stingray. It's so badly, you know? And of course I, he wasn't the only one that played a uh, Stingray. Uh, Cause what Roger from less than Jake, I think played Stingray for a while right. too.
2: There was like, there was like a time in punk rock. I feel like where everybody had uh, an ab, Ampeg classic, like tube head, Mm -hmm. with a cab if you were a bass player and you had like a stingray ernie ball it was just like it it was almost a uniform punk rock type sound and uh i never got into ernie ball all that much i always stayed with fender because i like how close the strings were together just like was conducive to my playing but i did try ernie ball specifically because of my career i was like i want to try that stingray sound and i i didn't like it so much but yeah, man, the way that dude moved on stage, I was like, that's you're gonna play that fast, you gotta fucking move.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> I agree. You know,
2: I could and, and bouncing off that, like coming up from you know, south sur- suburbs outside of Chicago, I can't deny messed like the same kind of credit. Like I saw a mess, you know, in the small clubs before Maverick Records, and they were like 17 years old pumping out like really, really, really cool hits um at the time. Um
1: yeah. They were super young when, when they got signed. Yeah, yeah.
2: totally. And like, they, they, they were kind of like, you know, they were from the neighborhood. So like, that was a band they were like, well, if they can do it. Like maybe, maybe like I can do it. Like, yeah, I can definitely play, you know, um, I can maybe try to make it so to speak. What other pop punk? I don't know, but I, I do love pop punk a lot. Punchline.
1: Punchline. Like punchline. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Can't I go wrong.
2: Love punchline, um, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a, I mean, Paramore, the whole few by Ramen movement of like the 2000s was like pretty fucking good too. I like early Plain White Tees as well. I, I actually haven't listened to old, uh, new Plain White Tees, so I have no idea like what that even sounds like. I listened to but, their
1: last record a little bit. I'm um, trying to remember. That was just, in I think in the last two or three years, definitely super super different, you know, very very pop if if I remember yeah. if I remember correctly, but you know, Tom is he's a great songwriter. Absolutely. Um, he uh he he really has his foot in the door with it seems like a lot of different people in the uh in the industry, you know, cuz I remember um Simple Plan there's a song on the last record they put out which that's been a while now too, That's probably been four years ago. I remember looking up like the credits and stuff. And I saw that he wrote one of them and I was like, Oh wow. I was like, that's awesome. So speaking yeah. of that
2: whole era of Canadian, like it only brings, because it's Canadian. Like I, I think of some 41, right? Like, and what I actually loved about some 41 <laughs> is some 41 progressively got heavier.
1: Like, yeah. Kind of, like,
2: like does this look infected came out it's like, this isn't a pop record. Like, no. This album is a little bit more like straightforward rock and punk rock. And then when Chuck came out, there's a lot of songs I love off Chuck. They're just like super driving punk rock songs. I didn't really listen to much after Chuck, but Sum forty one I think was was fucking great in that respect too. Uh, they they had a, they had a good way of like writing like really heavy songs that were super catchy. Um, come that like does this look infected Chuck era uh, of music, and I think that gets like lost in there discography whatever i don't know how many people like some 41 these days i don't know i don't know if that's still like a big thing
1: i mean i still think they're a big thing i finally saw them play for the first time this last fall i was blown away by their live show yeah they no, were they're, really no, good fucking
2: tight. anytime i saw them on mtv or whatever it was on point like absolutely
1: yeah. and um, their their drummer is just fucking ridiculous is <laughs>
2: it the same guy though
1: no i don't think so um I like I never followed like I've known a couple of the members or you know I've followed a couple of the members but I never like always paid super attention to like I know some of the drummers changed out obviously uh Brown Sound came in and out you know and Mm -hmm. he's he's back in now um but he did leave for a while of course but yeah the drummer I want to say it's a different drummer um yeah I,
2: I looked at the band photos and like he was clearly like a face of the band through like the the bits of rap that he did and also like any promotional videos he did he was like the crazy guy and yeah i i didn't see him in any of the photos like recent stuff so i was like oh shit
1: yeah he's Um, got like he wears the the gloves and i want to say the sticks he uses they look like they're the metal sticks they're 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 not like the they don't look like they're wood but either way like you just see this guy and you're like fuck this guy is serious about his drums you know Right on. and uh yeah he just he just rips it they were just i was blown away by by their show it was it was yeah. good and yeah their last two records are are very much more on the heavier side if if you haven't checked them out but um
2: i think i should Why uh, you would one you L1. would
1: probably like you would probably like them
2: no well, one band, too, that, like, I revisited about a year ago. Am I, like, talking over, like, are we – we're still going here? Like, Yeah,
1: school? yeah we're still going. It's cool. Oh, no. We'll go for a little okay. bit longer.
2: Um, good Charlotte. Like, I know that, like, people like her, you know, fuck that band or whatever. You know, it's not cool to like that band. That's not punk rock. But, like, I remember seeing them also with New Glory. I remember I went to a show at House of Blues in Chicago um early 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 2000 we're talking 2000 between somewhere 2000 2002 ish right mm-hmm. can't pack year but i remember phoenix tx headlined. uh newfound glory was like the direct support and they had just come out with the or it was like yeah the the self-title had just come out uh good charlotte played. they were on their first record like i remember i wasn't even like so much into them as i was their live show i i was like wow these guys are like really 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 tight jumping around moving and then they put out uh Young and Hopeless, and I like that more. But they're ugh, fuck, what's the album? They put out Nelm only a couple of years ago. Then I don't give a shit what anybody says. It's catchy as fuck.
1: Oh, Youth like, Authority? Yes. Yeah. It has
2: like life changes and like, yes, yeah, these other songs, like, and I'm I'm totally fine with it. Like they're good summer jams, they're good, like roll down the window songs, like um I would say that there's at least five songs on that record I could totally get down with. Um, That was, that was, yeah, that's another band. Like it's funny, like being like in like the skate punk scene, I think I derived more of my stage presence from pop punk though. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's fun. It's energetic. It's moving. It's interacting with the crowd. It's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not as serious sometimes. I mean, like I know no effects is skate punk and like, there's nothing serious about no effects most of the time.
1: Yeah, but it, it's a different type of, you know, uh, a lot of pop punk bands, well, not all of them, but w- the ones we've been talking about, they kind of have a presence, they have a show. Whereas with skate punk bands, they usually just get up on stage and it's it's usually like, it's a punk show. So like, it just, yeah. fuck it. Whatever, you know, whatever happens just happens, you know? like. when i play i want to party
2: like that's the way i've always felt about it and like by party i mean like i just want to have a good time yeah you know you're having fun we're having fun up here like let's do this and that's that's all i'm looking for and even if like the crowd doesn't move i'm like well i'm gonna have a good time then (laughs) yeah
0: let's
2: let's let's do our thing but either way like yeah that's one of the like great things about punk rock like not to like keep spiraling out onto different like subtext or whatever is just like the reciprocation between crowd and like band, and you know, it's all energy and jumping and moving. And
1: yeah, there's nothing like it.
2: Like, I don't think that there's many bands. I think most bands that are men of my age or women of my age, you know, like when they're not punk rock, they're a little bit more stationary on stage. And like, we're still trying to break our bodies and our arthritis and our bad knees by like jumping and spinning and like whatever. We're like, Nope, it's punk show. going to get my wrist broken doing this, whatever. Like we'll, uh, does that make sense?
1: Like, oh yeah, man. Like, and I still, mean, like, well, well, he, here's another, you know, uh, uh, someone I bring up all the time on the podcast cause I love him and his band and that's John Feldman of Goldfinger Hell the guy yeah. the guy's in his early 50s and if you let's say there was a goldfinger show tomorrow night and you went to it he's going to move around just as much as he did in 1996 like the guy cuz i saw him last summer he still moves around like crazy you know he still jumps a lot and you know but but yeah he'll i i've heard him in interv- in recent interviews he's like He's like yeah i'm i'm feeling it really hard the next day yeah. but cuz that guy's had a, a bunch of knee surgeries and shit cuz you know i think he will still once in a while jump off speakers into the audience um i don't remember him doing that when i saw him last summer but you know he's still crowd surfed and all that shit you know so and like i said he's i think he's 52 51 Something well, like that. So
2: you're you're coming for a walk with me? But like, one of the funny funniest things about like mentioning Goldfinger is like the first Metro show I ever went to, I saw Goldfinger. It
1: oh, really? Goldfinger. Wow!
2: It was Goldfinger, Real Big fish in the blue meanies and this is when like here in your bedroom was like a single, right? Yeah. And like, dude, they clearly just you know fucking uh, went off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were also in their prime, right? I mean, this is
1: that was yeah, that was their debut one album. Yeah,
2: and uh, I much the same actually, you know. Not to continually do shameless plugs about my band, like uh, some pinnacle achievements were like we got to play um, Concord Music Theater with Goldfinger, and and that was that was fucking. Oh, awesome.
1: you played that sh- the one in what 2017 or 16?
2: Something like that. It was, it was like yeah, it was a few years ago, but we I- played that show. Um, and we played right before Goldfinger too, which I, I mean, like, I don't know how, how that happened, but like, we played right before Goldfinger and like, we had a great show. And, um, you know, to also like have like Mike Herrera be a part of the band now and like, again, playing like, like shit. He actually recognized me from like working at 350 cause like he actually said a bunch he was like, She's like, Hey man, you look familiar. I'm like, I worked at 350. <laughs> like, wow. Like, I don't know.
1: Like that's a, that's a hero moment, you know. Yeah, it but, is. Damn sure. Yeah, I, I was supposed to go to that show. I had tickets and I had just switched um shifts at the radio station I work for. I started working super early mornings and that I remember that show was during the week and you know, I I just wasn't going to be able to go and then get up at 3:30 in the morning to go to work. It just wasn't going to yeah. Wasn't gonna happen. So I gave the tickets to some, uh, some actually, some people that were on the podcast um, not that long ago when you know they were guests. And I was like, "Hey, who wants Goldfinger tickets? I'm just gonna give them to somebody who wants to go. I'm not gonna charge you for them." And so I, they went and they they had a kick ass time. So
2: yeah, it was a great show, dude. Their their last record actually. I don't know if you listened to it. But oh, yeah.
1: I've I, listened to it many times. I love it.
2: Phenomenal. Like, yeah. I love the last Goldfinger record. I, I think it's right up there. Like, if I can, like, put the the first record and hang-ups and... Uh, what was the one? A lot of people don't like Stomping Ground, but I really like Stomping Ground. That was
1: a great record. That was yeah, a really good record. I, I feel
2: like gets shit on a lot. Like, I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel like that one got shit on a lot. And I really like Stompy Ground.
1: I think it did because uh, everyone always considered that was Goldfinger stepping away from the ska scene and pretending that they weren't ska anymore. But you also got to think, they were, they were attached to a major label at that time. And right. at, at the time of that album was released, what was popular it was it was Linkin Park. I mean, that's what major labels wanted. They wanted that sound. You know, the whole ska punk thing was just like... Had its time. It had its time. So I, I don't know. I'm just guessing that maybe they were feeling some pressure from that. I don't know. I mean, I know John likes metal as well. So, I mean, I know he likes harder music a lot. So, I mean, it could just simply have been that. But I think maybe it, it could have had something to do with you know uh,
2: well either way i love production like on records like i think that a lot of times like people have a nostalgic feel about an album because of like how gritty it sounds and like that's that's great and like they like sometimes like you find a resentment about records because like production increases mm-hmm. if that makes sense that's like the songwriting's still good so you should like am, am i making sense i was yeah to,
1: like, no you i understand what you're saying you're you're you know,
2: t- and maybe some of that happened with Zombie Ground too. It's like production like kept going up, like more effects, this, that, the other, to bounce off of, like kind of what you're saying. But I thought that like the last album with the knife and Don't Let Me Go and all these other songs, like that was that was a phenomenal record. Um, their their videos through the quarantine have been great. Like with and if you ever get a chance to see them live with uh, Story of the Year, dude, and like Mike Herrera, and like it, it's great. Like they they kill it. i
1: agreed it's that was a lot of fun yeah that was the best time my best show i bet i better ever seen them performed was uh when i saw them last year so i'm I'm glad i got to go to that especially considering all the crap that's going on now so Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: that was (laughs) that was great because i hadn't seen them since i was like 13 so you know yeah has been a long ass time ago so but um but yeah this is this has been fun man um Thank yeah, you so much. Worry. Thank you so much again. Um, everyone needs to make sure to uh, get get their hands on that. You know, uh, quitters never win. Vinyl, and you know, even or even when the the remaster, or remix, and remastered version comes to digital, download it, stream it go to listen because it really is like listening to a, a completely different record. I feel like just from, just from hearing wish, uh, remixed and remastered, it's, it's a big, it's a big difference, you know? So, um, yeah. And anything else? I mean, I know there's not much coming up because of COVID, but
2: no, I mean, no, we, we don't have anything. I mean, like a lot of, you know, some of the stuff that we were supposed to do in Canada a few weeks ago, if things weren't going to be shut down, you know, we kind of plan on hopefully doing again next year and, you know, just, it's a bummer. Like the music is kind of put on hiatus, but don't fret. Like it'll, it'll hopefully come back soon enough and um, stay safe. I'm not trying to do like a PSA here, but (laughs) you know,
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's just all about, respecting others at the end of the day and that's that's really simple you know it's not that hard
2: totally no be safe through all this like thank you for all the support from anybody that's like new or from before and yada yada and like thank you for having this on because like i really really enjoy the podcast so this is this has been an absolute gas to like be a part of so um thank you well Very
1: thanks brave. man I, that that means a lot seriously so i'm i'm really glad that uh, that you enjoy it and I enjoyed having you on, so yeah, um... and it
2: gave me an excuse to do a little bit of day drinking. Like I was like, Oh, <laughs> yon, the other thing it would be great. Yeah. So,
1: Perfect. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. Thank you once again to Frankie and to Jevin of much the same for giving me their time last week and being on the podcast. It was such an honor. It was so cool to have Frankie reach out to to the pop punk and pizza podcast Instagram and say, "Hey, I'm interested in being on the show." because it was funny how it worked because I actually had them on potential people to contact. Uh, get in contact with uh, about being on the podcast so it's kind of funny how that worked out so thank you Frankie and Jevin once again and also to you for listening and downloading this podcast there's literally a billion podcasts that you could be listening to right now and the fact that you chose this one means the world to me so just a reminder once again in about three or four weeks we are going to be celebrating our 100th episode Of Pop Punk and Pizza. And I want to celebrate that with you. I want to hear from you. I want to interact from the listeners and also from uh, previous guests that have been on the podcast. So I want you to share your favorite memory or what your favorite episode was of the podcast or any kind of comments or questions you have for me by leaving me a voicemail at 81 or uh, sorry, that's the wrong number. Our studio line, leaving me a voicemail at 312-529-0335. Again, 312-529-0335. Now, you can also record a voice memo on your phone with whatever it is that you want to say about the podcast to bangarangradio at gmail.com. And then um, on that particular episode, I don't have a specific date on when that episode is going to be premiering. I'll let you know that soon, but I will tell you it's going to be next month, so July 2020. Um, I will give you a date on that, but what I'm going to do with these these voicemails and these voice memos is I'm going to play them back on the show and uh, make them a part of the 100th uh, episode celebration. And then I think I also might have some—invite some listeners— onto the podcast for a, uh, a chat as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And hopefully we can get as many people together as possible and celebrate this because it wouldn't have been possible without the listeners and also the guests. And I'm forever grateful for everyone that's participated on this show. So thank you seriously from the bottom, bottom of my heart for that. Um, in the meantime, we are off for next week, but we will be back the following week, or I will be back the following week, sharing 10 songs for July that you can check out. So we're talking uh, July 8th. I'll have another episode for you of Pop Punk, and Pizza. 10 songs for July, and uh, in, in the meantime, you can check out the 10 songs for June that I have posted. Um, there's a podcast episode of that, and there's also the playlist on Spotify. If you just look up "Pop Punk and Pizza" on Spotify, you'll find the playlist that you can check out. And there's ten great songs that you can get. Uh, ten great songs and ten great bands that you can get familiar with. Um, also, if you're in a band, you want your music played on the podcast, or you're a, a publicist or a manager a band, whatever it is, or whoever you are, and you're interested in being a guest on the show, please shoot me an email at bangarangradio at gmail.com with your press pages, your EPKs, links to your music, whatever it is that you've got. Send me all that info, and we'll see if we can work something out on either getting your music played, or or we can have a chat here on the podcast. So bangarangradio at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Pop Punk Pizza Pod, uh, my personal Twitter is on air with JL, and I look forward to hearing from you. So have a wonderful if you are uh, in the uh, land of the free, America. Have a wonderful Fourth of July. Uh, that's going to be coming up here next week already. Next Saturday is going to be July Fourth, and actually before that, I think what July first is Canada Day, isn't it? So happy Canada Day. To uh, our Canadian listeners and then happy Fourth of July to our American listeners, and I will talk to you in just a few weeks.
2: Hey, hello, it's nice to meet